Chapter three point twenty nine Part one of Personal Narrative of Travels to the Equinoctial Regions of America during the years seventeen ninety nine to eighteen oh four volume three by Alexander von Humboldt translated by Thomasina Ross. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter three point twenty nine Part one Political Essay on the Island of Cuba The Havana Hills of Guanavacoa considered in their geological relations valley of los guinas batabano and the port of trinidad the king and queen's gardens cuba owes its political importance to a variety of circumstances among which may be enumerated the extent of its surface the fertility of its soil its naval establishments and the nature of its population of which three-fifths are free men all these advantages are heightened by the admirable position of the havana the northern part of the caribbean sea known by the name of the gulf of mexico forms a circular basin more than two hundred and fifty leagues in diameter it is a mediterranean with two outlets the island of cuba or rather its coast between cape sant antonio and the town of matanzas situated at the opening of the old channel closes the gulf of mexico on the southeast leaving the ocean current known by the name of the gulf stream no other outlet on the south than a strait between Cape St. Antonio and Cape Catoche, and no other on the north than the Channel of Bahama, between Bahia Honda and the shoals of Florida. Near the northern outlet, where the highways of so many nations may be said to cross each other, lies the fine port of the Havana, fortified at once by nature and by art. The fleets which sail from this port, and which are partly constructed of the Cidrella and the Mahogany of the island of Cuba, might, at the entrance of the mexican mediterranean menace the opposite coast as the fleets that sail from cadiz command the atlantic near the pillars of hercules in the meridian of the havana the gulf of mexico the old channel and the channel of bahama unite the opposite direction of the currents and the violent agitations of the atmosphere at the setting in of winter impart a peculiar character to these latitudes at the extreme limit of the equinoctial zone the island of cuba is the largest of the antilles note its area is little less in extent than that of england not including wales end of note its long and narrow form gives it a vast development of coast and places it in proximity with haiti and jamaica with the most southern province of the united states florida and the most easterly province of the mexican confederation yucatan note these places are brought into communication with one another by a voyage of ten or twelve days end of note this circumstance claims serious attention when it is considered that jamaica st domingo cuba and the southern parts of the united states from louisiana to virginia contain nearly two million eight hundred thousand africans since the separation of st domingo the floridas and new spain from the mother country the island of cuba is connected only by a similarity of religion language and manners with the neighboring countries which during ages were subject to the same laws florida forms the last link in that long chain the northern extremity of which reaches the basin of st lawrence and extends from the region of palm trees to that of the most rigorous winter the inhabitant of new england regards the increasing augmentation of the black population the preponderance of the slave states and the predilection for the cultivation of colonial products as a public danger and earnestly wishes that the strait of florida the present limit of the great american confederation may never be passed but with the views of free trade founded on equal rights if he fears events which may place the havana under the dominion of a european power more formidable than spain 
he is not the less desirous that the political ties by which louisiana pensacola and st augustine of florida were heretofore united to the island of cuba may be forever broken the extreme sterility of the soil joined to the want of inhabitants and of cultivation have at all times rendered the proximity of florida of small importance to the trade of the havana but the case is different on the coast of mexico the shores of that country stretching in a semicircle from the frequented ports of tampico vera cruz and alvarado to cape catoche almost touch by the peninsula of yucatan the western part of the island of cuba commerce is extremely active between the havana and the port of campeche and it increases notwithstanding the new order of things in mexico because the trade equally illicit with a more distant coast that of caracas or colombia employs but a small number of vessels in such difficult times the supply of salt meat tasajo for the slaves is more easily obtained from buenos aires and the plains of merida than from those of cumana barcelona and caracas the island of cuba and the archipelago of the philippines have for ages derived from new spain the funds necessary for their internal administration and for keeping up their fortifications arsenals and dockyards the havana was the military port of the new world and till eighteen o eight annually received one million eight hundred thousand piastres from the mexican treasury at madrid it was long the custom to consider the island of cuba and the archipelago of the philippines as dependencies on mexico situated at very unequal distances east and west of veracruz and acapulco but linked to the mexican metropolis then a european colony by all the ties of commerce mutual aid and ancient sympathies increased internal wealth has rendered unnecessary the pecuniary succor formerly furnished to cuba from the mexican treasury of all the spanish possessions that island has been most prosperous the port of havana has since the troubles of st domingo become one of the most important points of the commercial world a fortunate concurrence of political circumstances joined to the intelligence and commercial activity of the inhabitants have preserved to the havana the uninterrupted enjoyment of free intercourse with foreign nations i twice visited this island residing there on one occasion for three months and on the other for six weeks and i enjoyed the confidence of persons who from their abilities and their position were enabled to furnish me with the best information in company with m bonplan i visited only the vicinity of the havana the beautiful valley of guinius and the coast between batabano and the port of trinidad after having succinctly described the aspect of this scenery and the singular modifications of a climate so different from that of the other islands i will proceed to examine the general population of the island of cuba its area calculated from the most accurate sketch of the coast the objects of trade and the state of the public revenue the aspect of the havana at the entrance of the port is one of the gayest and most picturesque on the shore of equinoctial america north of the equator this spot is celebrated by travellers of all nations it boasts not the luxuriant vegetation that adorns the banks of the river guayaquil nor the wild majesty of the rocky coast of rio de janeiro but the grace which in those climates embellishes the scenes of cultivated nature is of the havana mingled with the majesty of vegetable forms and the organic vigour that characterises the torrid zone on entering the port of the havana you pass between the fortress of the moro castilla de los santos reyes and the fort of san salvador de la punta the opening being only from one hundred and seventy to two hundred toises wide 
having passed this narrow entrance, leaving on the north the fine castle of San Carlos de la Cabana and the Casa Blanca, we reach a basin in the form of a trefoil, of which the great axis, stretching from south-southwest to north-northeast, is two miles and one-fifth long. This basin communicates with three creeks, those of Regla, Guanavacoa, and Atares. In this last there are some springs of fresh water. The town of the Havana, surrounded by walls, forms a promontory bounded on the south by the arsenal, and on the north by the fort of La Punta. After passing beyond some wrecks of vessels sunk in the shoals of La Luz, we no longer find eight or ten, but five or six fathoms of water. The castles of Santo Domingo de Atares and San Carlos del Principe defend the town on the westward. They are distant from the interior wall, on the land side, the one six hundred and sixty toises, the other one thousand two hundred and forty. The intermediate space is filled by the suburbs, Arabales or Barrios Extramuros, of Horcon, Jesu Maria, Guadalupe, and Señor de la Salud, which from year to year encroach on the fields of Mars, Campo del Marte. The great edifices of the Havana, the Cathedral, the Casa del Gobierno, the House of the Commandant of the Marine, the Correo, or General Post Office, and the Factory of Tobacco, are less remarkable for beauty than for solidity of structure. The streets are for the most part narrow and unpaved. Stones being brought from Veracruz, and very difficult of transport, the idea was conceived a short time before my voyage of joining great trunks of trees together, as is done in Germany and Russia, when dikes are constructed across marshy places. This project was soon abandoned, and travellers newly arrived beheld with surprise fine trunks of mahogany sunk in the mud of the Havana. At the time of my sojourn there, few towns of Spanish America presented, owing to the want of a good police, a more unpleasant aspect. People walked in mud up to the knee, and the multitude of calèche or volante, the characteristic equipage of the Havana, of carts loaded with casks of sugar, and porters elbowing passengers, rendered walking most disagreeable. The smell of tasajo often poisons the houses and the winding streets but it appears that of late the police has interposed, and that a manifest improvement has taken place in the cleanliness of the streets, that the houses are more airy, and that the Calle de los Mercadores presents a fine appearance. Here, as in the oldest towns of Europe, an ill-traced plan of streets can only be amended by slow degrees. There are two fine public walks, one called the Alameda, between the Hospital of Santa Paula and the Theatre, and the other between the Castillo de la Punta and the Puerta de la Murala, called the Paseo Extramuros. The latter is deliciously cool, and is frequented by carriages after sunset. It was begun by the Marquis de la Torre, governor of the island, who gave the first impulse to the improvement of the police and the municipal government. Don Luis de la Casas and the Count of Santa Clara enlarged the plantations. Near the Campo de Marta is the botanical garden, which is well worthy to fix the attention of the government, and another place fitted to excite at once pity and indignation, the barracoon, in front of which the wretched slaves are exposed for sale. A marble statue of Charles III has been erected since my return to Europe, in the Extramuros Walk. This spot was at first destined for a monument to Christopher Columbus, whose ashes, after the cession of the Spanish part of St. Domingo, were brought to the island of Cuba. Note Columbus lies buried in the cathedral of the Havana, close to the wall, near the high altar. On the tomb is the following inscription. O restos y imagen del gran colón, mil siglos duran grandados en la urna, 
y han remembrancado nuestra nación. O relics and image of the great Colón, Columbus, a thousand ages are encompassed in thy urn and in memory of our nation. His remains were first deposited at Valladolid and thence were removed to Seville. In 1536 the bodies of Columbus and of his son Diego, el andalantado, were carried to St. Domingo and there interred in the cathedral, but they were afterwards removed to the place where they now repose. End of note. The same year, the ashes of Fernando Cortes were transferred in Mexico from one church to another. Thus, at the close of the 18th century, the remains of the two greatest men who promoted the conquest of America were interred in new sepulchres. The most majestic palm tree of its tribe, the Palma Real, imparts a peculiar character to the landscape in the vicinity of the Havana. It is the Oreodoxa regia of our description of American palm trees. Its tall trunk, slightly swelled toward the middle, grows to the height of sixty or eighty feet. The upper part is glossy, of a delicate green, newly formed by the closing and dilation of the petioles, contrasts with the rest, which is whitish and fendilated. It appears like two columns, the one surmounting the other. The palmo real of the island of Cuba has feathery leaves, rising perpendicularly toward the sky and curved only at the point. The form of this plant reminded us of the Vagdaya palm, which covers the rocks and the cataracts of the Orinoco, balancing its long points over a mist of foam. Here, as in every place where the population is concentrated, vegetation diminishes. Those palm trees round the Havana and in the amphitheatre of Regla, on which I delighted to gaze, are disappearing by degrees. The marshy places, which I saw covered with bamboos, are cultivated and drained. Civilization advances, and the soil, gradually stripped of plants, scarcely offers any trace of its wild abundance. From the Punta to San Lazaro, from Cabana to Regla, and from Regla to Atares, the road is covered with houses, and those that surround the bay are of light and elegant construction. The plan of these houses is traced out by the owners, and they are ordered from the United States, like pieces of furniture. When the yellow fever rages at the Havana, the proprietors withdraw to those country houses, and to the hills between Regla and Guanavacoa, to breathe a purer air. In the coolness of night, when the boats cross the bay, and owing to the phosphorescence of the water, leave behind them long tracks of light, these romantic scenes afford charming and peaceful retreats for those who wish to withdraw from the tumult of a populous city. To judge of the progress of cultivation, travellers should visit the small plots of maize and other alimentary plants, the rows of pineapples, ananas, in the fields of Cruz de Piedra, and the bishop's garden, Quinta del Obispo, which of late is become a delicious spot. The town of the Havana, properly so called, surrounded by walls, is only nine hundred toises long and five hundred broad. Yet more than forty-four thousand inhabitants, of whom twenty-six thousand are negroes and mulattoes, are crowded together in this narrow space. A population nearly as considerable occupies the two great suburbs of Jesu Maria and La Salud. Note. Salud signifies health. End of note. The latter place does not verify the name it bears. The temperature of the air is indeed lower than in the city, but the streets might have been larger and better planned. Spanish engineers, who have been waging war for thirty years past with the inhabitants of the suburbs, Arabales, have convinced the government that the houses are too near the fortifications, and that the enemy might establish himself there with impunity. But the government has not courage to demolish the suburbs and disperse a population of 28,000 inhabitants collected in La Salud only. 
since the great fire of 1802, that quarter has been considerably enlarged. Barracks were at first constructed, but by degrees they have been converted into private houses. The defence of the Havana on the west is of the highest importance. So long as the besieged are masters of the town properly so called, and of the southern part of the bay, the Moro and La Cabana, they are impregnable, because they can be provisioned by the Havana, and the losses of the garrison repaired. I have heard well-informed French engineers observe that an enemy should begin its operations by taking the town in order to bombard the cabana, a strong fortress, but where the garrison, shut up in the casements, could not long resist the insalubrity of the climate. The English took the Moro without being masters of the Havana, but the cabana and the fort number four which commands the Moro did not then exist. The most important works on the south and west are the Castillos de Atares y de Principe, and the battery of santa clara we employed the months of december january and february in making observations in the vicinity of the havana and the fine plains of guinas we experienced in the family of senor cuesta who then formed with senor santa maria one of the greatest commercial houses in america and in the house of count o'reilly the most generous hospitality we lived with the former and deposited our collections and instruments in the spacious hotel of count o'reilly where the terraces favoured our astronomical observations. The longitude of the Havana was at this period more than one-fifth of a degree uncertain. Note. I also fixed by direct observations several positions in the interior of the island of Cuba, namely Rio Blanco, a plantation of Count Yaraco y Mopex, the Almirante, a plantation of the Countess Buenavista, San Antonio de Peritia, the village of Managua, San Antonio de Pareto, and the Fondadero, near the town of San Antonio de los Banos. End of note. It had been fixed by M. Espinosa, the learned director of the Deposito Hidrográfico of Madrid, at 5 degrees, 38 minutes, 11 seconds, in a table of positions which he communicated to me on leaving Madrid. M. de Churuca fixed the Moro at 5 hours, 39 minutes, 1 second. I met at the Havana with one of the most able officers of the Spanish navy, Captain Don Dionisio Galliano, who had taken a survey of the coast of the Strait of Magellan. We made observations together on a series of eclipses of the satellites of Jupiter, of which the mean result gave five hours, thirty-eight minutes, fifty seconds. Monsieur Altmans deducted, in 1805, the whole of those observations which are marked for the Moro, at five hours, thirty-eight minutes, twenty-two point five seconds, forty-eight degrees, forty-three minutes, seven point five seconds, west of the meridian of Paris. This longitude was confirmed by fifteen occultations of stars, observed from 1809 to 1811, and calculated by Monsieur Ferret. That excellent observer fixes the definitive result at five degrees, thirty-eight minutes, fifty-point-nine seconds. With respect to the magnetic dip, I found it by the compass of Borda, December 1800, 53 degrees 22 minutes, of the old sexagesimal division. Twenty-two years before, according to the very accurate observations made by Captain Sabine in his memorable voyage to the coasts of Africa, America, and Spitsbergen, the dip was only 51 degrees 55 minutes. It had therefore diminished one degree 27 minutes. The island of Cuba, being surrounded with shoals and breakers along more than two-thirds of its length, and as ships keep out beyond those dangers, the real shape of the island was for a long time unknown. Its breadth, 
especially between the Havana and the port of Batabano, has been exaggerated, and it is only since the Deposito Hidrográfico of Madrid published the observations of Captain Don José del Rio and Lieutenant Don Ventura de Barcaizaguitui that the area of the land of Cuba could be calculated with any accuracy. Wishing to furnish in this work the most accurate result that can be obtained in the present state of our astronomical knowledge, I engaged M. Bauza to calculate the area. He found, in June 1835, the surface of the island of Cuba, without the Isla dos Pinos, to be 3,520 square leagues, and with that island, 3,615. From this calculation, which has been twice repeated, it results that the island of Cuba is one-seventh less than has hitherto been believed, that it is thirty-two one-hundredths larger than Haiti or Santo Domingo, that its surface equals that of Portugal, and within one-eighth that of England without Wales, and that if the whole archipelago of the Antilles presents as great an area as the half of Spain, the island of Cuba alone almost equals in surface the other great and small Antilles. Its greatest length, from Cape San Antonio to Point Maisie, in a direction from west-southwest to east-northeast, and from west-northwest to east-southeast, is 227 leagues, and its greatest breadth, in the direction north and south, from Point Maternillo to the mouth of the Magdalena, near Peak Tarquino, is 37 leagues. The mean breadth of the island, on four-fifths of its length, between the Havana and Puerto Principe, is 15 leagues. In the best cultivated part, between the Havana and Batabano, the isthmus is only eight sea leagues. Among the great islands of the globe, that of Java most resembles the island of Cuba in its form and area, 4,170 square leagues. Cuba has a circumference of coast of 520 leagues, of which 280 belong to the south shore, between Cape San Antonio and Punta End of chapter 3.29 Part 1